This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to get in the Word of God here. You know, how many can remember growing up in Easter, getting your, your uh, Easter eggs and dressing up? And Anybody remember those times? And, and, you know, you go to church, and I remember that, you know, Jesus died on the cross, but I really didn't understand resurrection even after I got saved. It took some time afterwards to really get what resurrection was about. And, you know, the cross is it's fantastic, but if you don't have the resurrection, the cross doesn't mean anything. I don't know if you've thought about that, but, you know, Christianity really was based on the resurrection. There had to be a resurrection or it failed. The cross didn't work. So what I want to look at this morning is what did Jesus do on resurrection day? What was Jesus doing? What happened on resurrection day? And in our Bibles, you'll see it up here in John chapter 14. Now John 14 and 15, 16, those three chapters talk about uh, it's the Last Supper. It's a conversation, or it's a report of the conversation during the Last Supper. So this is Jesus speaking, and he has some, some things he wants to tell them. Because remember, this is right before the cross. In John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So he's saying here, don't let your heart be troubled or, or heavy or sorrowful. Uh, he's, he's preparing them. He said, something's about to happen and your heart is going to be troubled. And he's saying, don't let it be because of what he has to tell them. Now, what's he talking about here? The crucifixion. The crucifixion. And, and many times, these scriptures, we relate uh, to the second coming or something uh, many years later but not all the, the things that he talked about the Last Supper are about the, the second coming. Some of them are about the death, burial, and resurrection. And this is one of them right here. He's not talking about something way off. He's talking about something about to happen. In verse 2 he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now the word mansion there means dwelling place. Dwelling place. And I think it's, it's, it's great that we're going to have some wonderful houses in, in heaven. And I, I don't want to take away from your mansion. You're believing for a mansion. That's, that's great. I believe you can have it. But I want us to look. Could there be a deeper meaning here than just your, him talking about your house in heaven? Could there be something deeper that he's trying to communicate with us about instead of what your house is going to be when you get there? How many know your house is going to be in fine shape when you get there? Never has to be painted. Never needs plumbing work. Perfect. No dust. That's shouting ground there for some of you. <laughs> Thank you. 
He said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and that, that's dwelling place. That's the same word when he says, I go to prepare a place. That word place is the same word, a mansion. It, it's a dwelling place. I go to prepare a place for you. Could Jesus be saying, look, I'm going to prepare a place because you don't have a place in heaven. Could it be that he's saying, I have a relationship with Father, and you can't, but I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to make a place, a room for you in Father's house, in Father's family, that you can have a relationship with God the Father. In John 14, 25, just coming down a few, few scriptures, those things have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. But let your, not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus, He, go, he goes back into talking about about the heart and being sorrowful and all these things. But he, he mentions two things here. He talks about the Holy Spirit and he talks about peace. He talks about these two things and he wants them to remember peace and the Holy Spirit. He's saying this time of sorrow, which we know will be the death but then he's, he's going to talk about a time he's, he's coming back and there's going to be joy. But he wants them to, to remember these, these two things. Say, Holy Spirit and peace. It's kind of like he, there's two, two signs. And it's important to remember this because when he comes back after the resurrection, the first time he sees the disciples, these two things are there. Look in verse 20. Uh, let me go down here. Let's finish up 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say, say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. You may believe. Now many people think this is the second coming, but we know for sure it's not the second coming from the, what he just said. I've told you these things beforehand that when they happen, you may believe. How many know we're not going to have any trouble believing at the second coming? <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to have a problem believing. In fact, the atheists will believe. It says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So it's talking about that second coming or something far off. It's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the cross, and he's talking about coming back 
to see them again. But he wants them to remember those two signs, peace and the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 16, it says, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Not thousands of years, a little while, three days. Then verse 17, Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father, they said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while. And you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful. Talking about the crucifixion. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. Resurrection. Resurrection. Then he says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy, no one will take it from you. So he's saying, look, in a little while, you're not going to see me. And they had a great conversation about a little while. And they're asking, what's he mean? He said, you will not see me for a little while. And then, in a little while, you will. And he said, you'll be sorrowful. You'll weep. But then it's going to be turned to joy because you'll see me again at the resurrection. And when I come back to you, I'm bringing peace and I'm bringing the Holy Spirit. And I've told you these things before in order for you to believe when it happens. So he's making himself clear. Then we come down to Easter day. This is in John 20, verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now you remember the story. She goes, she runs back, she tells the disciples... And only two of the disciples got up to leave. And that was Peter and John. They run to the tomb. And they look in. And then they leave. And then Mary is left alone there. And we want to take up uh, in verse 11 what happens to Mary. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. Now, this is a great spiritual picture or analogy if you've never seen it, but two angels are at the Ark of the Covenant. You have the Ark, you have one angel at the head, one at the foot. You have the same thing here. It's speaking that, that Jesus is our Ark of the Covenant. It's a great, great picture. In verse 13, Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? 
And she said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that was Jesus. It's very strange to me. She had walked with him or traveled with him for two and a half years. She had met Jesus in the first year of his ministry, traveled with him, knew him well, but now she doesn't recognize Jesus. Something about his appearance has changed because he's got to go to the Father. And, and she doesn't recognize who this is. In case you didn't know, the Bible tells us that there was women that followed uh, Jesus and the, the 12 guys around. Many people think it was just Jesus and the 12 guys running around. But common sense should tell you that 12 men could not take care of themselves. There had to be a one, some women somewhere. But he's going to the Father. And Hebrews tells us that he is actually going into the Holy of Holies. He's going in there as the sacrifice for our sins. He's going in and taking his blood into that heavenly Holy of Holies. When you read about the temple on earth, it's a pattern of the true temple in heaven. So, here's... Mary doesn't recognize him, but she gets her eyes open. In verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the gardener. That's strange to me too, the gardener. Gardening, you know, they're usually dirty. They're digging and planting. And... But he was on his way to the Father. Could it be that he was dirty and he needed to go up? Maybe it's the Lord speaking to us. So to him, sir, I will have you carry, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him, Rabboni, which is a teacher. Her spiritual eyes got open. The Bible says his sheep know his voice. His voice. You know, I found that that God's voice, that a lot of times it, His name is something. Something told me to call you and pray. Something told me. That's, that's God. That's His voice speaking to us. Her eyes are open. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. I'll come back to that in a minute. For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father. Now catch this. This is the most powerful, this is an incredible passage here. What Jesus spoke. He said, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. And to my God and your God. For the first time, something had changed. Now Jesus' Father could be your father. 
could be the disciple's father. A new relationship with God. That he would be your father. Everything changed at the cross and the resurrection. And Jesus said, go tell them that I'm going to my father and their father. He said, don't cling. He said, In verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Now cling, I wish they hadn't used that word because cling, we think, grab hold and hold on. But cling is not the right translation because 36 times this appears in another place and it's touch. You remember when the woman came and touched the hem of his garment? It's the same Greek word there. In fact, when Jesus turned around to her and said, who touched me? It's the same word. It shouldn't have been cling. It should have been, don't touch me. Don't touch me, Mary. Don't touch me. Because I'm going to my Father. Don't touch me. That's what this word cling really is here. He hadn't ascended yet. But see, he was going, this resurrection was about him going to Father to make a new way for us that he could be our. Then in verse 19, then it says, then the same day at evening. Say the same day. Now we just talked about the morning that Mary went early to the tomb. It was still dark morning. And Jesus said, don't touch me. I'm ascending to the Father. And now it says the same day at evening. Now where had Jesus been all day? He said he was going to his Father. How many think that he was with Father? Everybody raise your hand. I think he was with Father. You're so smart. Now see what happens here. Then the same day of evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, listen, what he said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. In the morning he said, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my Father. And now he's saying, come look. Come observe. Come look. And you read a little, uh, down a little bit more. Thomas, he told Thomas, put your hand in my side. He's saying, touch me. Handle me. Why? He had already gone to the Father. He'd come back from the Father. Everything that was needed had been taken care of. He had gone. He had put His blood on the mercy seat and the Holy of Holies. And He said, peace be with you. And he, you'll see in just a minute, He talks about the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me. I just left the Father. As he has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. He said all these things. He was, he was teaching them before. Remember in the upper room? He's preparing them. Don't let your heart be troubled. There's more to the story. It doesn't stop with my death and burial. There is a resurrection. You're going to be sorrowful. 
But there is good news. There's a resurrection. And you will rejoice. And the joy that you will have at that time, the world can't take it from you. No person can take it from you. It's the joy of the Lord knowing that He has been made alive. And I'm in Him. That means I live. Because He lives, I live. He said, peace in the Holy Spirit. He said, I've said these things to you that you'll believe, that you'll know before, and that you'll believe. But where was Jesus for those three days? Well, the Bible says that he went to a place, the lower parts of the earth. Let me read it to you. It says, therefore, he says in Ephesians 4, 8, when he ascended on high, uh, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. The lower parts means the grave. It means Hades. It means hell. It means Jesus went and paid the price, for our, took our punishment, he went to hell and he took the keys of death and hell and the grave. He took the keys from the enemy and now death no longer reigns over a believer. He conquered death. He was raised up. He conquered it and took the keys so the enemy cannot hold that against us. He ascended to the Father it says he took captivity captive. He took those Old Testament saints and he's taken them to heaven. Can you imagine the celebration that had to be? Can you imagine Jesus comes and, and ministers to them? I'm he that you were looking forward to. I'm the one. And the rejoicing that took place. The Bible says he took them to heaven. Now he told them, said, look, we're going to heaven, but I need to stop on earth for just a few moments. I need to stop and talk to Mary for a moment. I got some things to say to her. See, I've told the guys to go to Galilee to meet with me. I've told them and told them to go there. But you know, if you've got to get something done... You've got to find a woman. Guys are going to stone me after this. And I'm going to have to go tell this woman to make sure the guys get to Galilee. They didn't write it down. They didn't have their iPad. They didn't have their phone. And they didn't get it. <laughs> well, I'm having more fun than y'all are. Okay. But what, you know what the Old Testament saints said? Okay, Jesus, I'd be fine. Hey, by the way, can we, can we visit Jerusalem while you do that? Uh, can we just tag along? We, we'd love to walk the old streets of the old city. It's been a long time. And, you, I mean, it's, it's really in here. Let me read to you Matthew 27, 52. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Abraham was walking the streets of Jerusalem. Can you imagine how that must have been? 
And, and there's Abraham saying, hey, see that, see that Walmart over there? Yeah, that one right there. I used to play ball there. It didn't used to be there. And they're, they're talking, just having a, a grand time, and, and people see him, and, and Jesus is meeting with Mary and said, look, I'm ascending to the Father. Oh, no, don't touch me, Mary. I've got to go. I've got some work. It's, not, it's got to be completed. I've got to go. And then he takes the Old Testament saints up to heaven. Let me read your verse, uh, John 12, 31. It says, now the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast down. Jesus said this right before the cross. He said, now is judgment. Now judgment has come. So he told Mary, he said, I'm ascending to my Father. And then it will be complete. Everything will be done that needs to be done for sinful man to worship and be a part of God's family. That we could call him Father. That's an awesome thought, thinking we can call God Father. Mm. In Daniel chapter 7, we find the description in Scripture of what happened when Jesus entered heaven, when he went to the Holy of Holies. And we find also a description of Father God that the Father is kind of elusive in Scripture. Many times we think that it's... It's the Father, but it's, it's Jesus. Remember when Moses with the burning bush? And he asked, what is your name? And said, I am. But then we find in Matthew that Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. I think Jesus was the one in the lion's den. He was the one in the fiery furnace. They said there's one likened to the Son of Man in there. It's talking about Jesus. And you have to really look to, to really see the Father. But this is the best description that we have of the Father uh, in Scripture. And Daniel 7 verse 9 says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. That's Him. That's the Father. His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. So we'll read this and we think, well, this is end time. This is... Uh, the book of Revelation. Now, this is, this is talking about the cross. This is resurrection time. This is what, what was all about. And there's a court proceeding. And it's not Judge Judy. Or Joe Brown. Or whoever. It's the Ancient of Days. It's God the Father. Ruling over this, this court. In verse 11... I watched them because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now there's, there's four beasts in the book of Daniel. And in case you don't know it, this beast is death and Jesus slew 
death. Death was conquered because Jesus was there. He showed up for court. He had been conquered. So it was slain. As for the rest of the beast, there's three others. They had their dominion taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. This happened when Jesus left Mary. Look at verse 13. I was watching in the night vision. This talks about Jesus coming. Behold, one like the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven. I mean, remember in Hebrews, the, the cloud of witnesses, the Old Testament saints. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought, near, they brought him, Jesus, near before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and the kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. See, Satan's lying. He's lying that he still has dominion. But I have news for you. He's the father of lies. You know he's lying when he speaks. And he is saying he has dominion. He has authority. But he's been stripped of that. He has no dominion. And Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth. And that's when that 40 days, that's what was declared over him. All authority. If he's got it all, how much does the enemy have? None. None. Jesus has it all. And he was given a kingdom. How many know when you accept Jesus Christ, you are born into a kingdom? The kingdom of God. You're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even says that he will give you the keys to the kingdom. This isn't at the second coming. This happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus got back what had been stolen, what Adam had lost. Jesus got it back. Jesus presented himself as a sacrifice for our sins. But notice, Satan's still active, but he's defeated. He has no authority. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. 1 John 3.8, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many think he accomplished his mission? In Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And then in Daniel 7.21, this is the final verdict, what the Ancient of Days, the judge says, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. 
The judgment came. The ruling came. Jesus' sacrifice was accepted. And he ruled and made a judgment. I'll make it short for you. Satan and demons lose. Jesus and the saints win. It's our victory. His victory has become our victory. What a mighty God we serve. Let's bow our heads. The question is, whose side are you on? You're either yielding to God or to the enemy. Whose side are you on? It's a choice that you make. He'll not force you. He gives you a free will. You freely choose. I'm not talking about you changing your life. I'm talking about you coming to the one that can change you. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get Jesus, you have access to the Father. I'm talking about saying, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. And He will make all things new. He will give you new life. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. If today you never made that decision, what a great day, Easter Sunday, to make that choice, to make that decision. Maybe you made that decision before, but you know you're not connected with God. You've moved away. He hasn't. But you need to get right today. You're ready to connect back with Him. For either one of these invitations, you can get in on this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come down. At this time, we'll have some prayer partners at the end. You can come receive prayer. That's your choice. But right now, no one looking around. If that's you, and you're choosing Jesus, I want you to be bold and lift up your hand and say, that's me. I'm choosing Him today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. You can put it down after you raise it. Any? Thank you, Lord. It's just a choice. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We rejoice that you made a way. You made a place for us. We have a dwelling place for all eternity with you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this one that's come and accepted you. And all those that are making decisions in their heart. Lord, I thank you that you strengthen that decision. And you bring peace. And you bring your spirit to infuse them with power. We honor you today and give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Let's give God thanks. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free 
at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.